the name of the show today is Nothing Changes If Nothing Changes. And this was a saying that um, I heard a lot when I was in the restaurant business, when I was a manager. They would say, nothing changes if nothing changes. And what that means is that, you know, if you want things to get better, if you want things to improve, then the process, some, something has to change. You have to change the way you do things for things to improve. If you continue to do things the same way, then things you're going to continue to get the same results. So that's what nothing change, nothing changes if nothing changes means. Mm-hmm. And my little writing underneath, I said, you think you know, and that's why you don't know. Um, let's talk a little bit about philosophy today. In today's world, reading multiple books on a particular topic can't compare to a 15-second clip or a meme. People feel informed and don't have an interest in the data or develop in their own narrative. Kind of another thing I want to talk about is how CRT is political. It's a political flashpoint that will influence elections over the next God knows how many years. And parents are worried about their children going to be taught something that is not taught at all in any freaking K through 12 schools. Literally, even in undergraduate school, this is not taught. It's only taught in freaking law school. And then I put the kicker is no one even knows what it is. So age of 16, she was arrested for killing a man who'd picked her up for sex after she'd been forced into sexual slavery as a child. She was sentenced to life in prison after being convicted of first-degree murder for shooting her rapist. Today, Centoya Brown-Long joins us to share her experience, what's happened in the 15 years since she was incarcerated and how she won her release. In an incredible development, Centoya was granted clemency in January after former Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam commuted her sentence for murdering 43-year-old Johnny Allen, uh, a state agent who took her to his home for sex in 2004. Centoya says Allen was behaving erratically and owned a number of guns and that she feared for her life when she shot him in the head and made her escape. At the time, she was being sexually trafficked and repeatedly abused and drugged and forced into prostitution by a pimp nicknamed Cutthroat. She was just 16 years old at the time of the shooting, but she was tried as an adult and convicted of first-degree murder and aggravated robbery in 2006 without the possibility for parole until 2055. Juveniles in Tennessee who are sentenced to life in prison must spend at least 51 years behind bars. Centoya's case drew widespread attention on social media under the hashtag Free Centoya Brown. Pop superstar Rihanna wrote, something's horribly wrong when the system enables these rapists and the victim is thrown away for life. After her repeated appeals in the case were denied, Centoya spoke at her clemency hearing in January. I can't make up for what I did, but they've given me a chance to do so much more. Yeah, I've been able to help people, which is amazing. Young people, young kids, they listen. And I'm still going to try to help people. 
I still am, because it's something that people need to understand. It's something people need to know. There's so many things that I understand now that I didn't know, and there's so many young people that still don't know. And I feel called to share that. And whatever you decide, I respect it. But I mean, I, I do pray that you show me mercy and that you give me a second chance. That is my prayer. And I can assure each and every one of you that if you do, like, I won't disappoint you. I'm not going to let you down. That was Centoya Brown Long speaking in January. She was ultimately granted clemency and released from prison in August. She is now 31 years old. This week, she published a book about her experience. She's doing her first interviews. Her memoir is titled Free Centoya, My Search for Redemption in the American Prison System. Centoya Brown-Long, welcome to Democracy Now! It's great to have you with us. So you are sentenced to life in prison at the age of 16 years old. If you would go back in time and tell us what happened on the night of August 7th, 2004, what led to, well, everything that has happened now, although there was so much before it. So on the night of August 7th, I was involved with a man by the name of Cutthroat, as you mentioned, and I was going out, meeting with men, having sex for money. And one of the men that had picked me up was a 43-year-old man, as you said, a real estate agent. And he took me back to his home. Um, just started acting really like strange. I started to feel like I was in a situation um, that I just couldn't get out of, although I just kind of just wanted to just leave. Felt very uncomfortable, was showing off his guns, things like that. Um, Things just really escalated and it came to a point where I shot him. I felt that something was about to happen to me. I left, went back to the room. Got in his I, pickup truck. Right, got in his pickup truck. That was the only way I could go back and went back to the hotel room that I had shared with Cutthroat. About within 24 hours, the police had come and arrested me. I spoke with them freely. I felt that you know, I had defended myself, so I didn't have anything to hide. Um, next thing I know, I'm being charged with criminal homicide. So. How much can you understand as a, at the time you were 16? Right. At the time I was 16, I really didn't understand the gravity of the situation that I was in, the situation that led to me being arrested. And then, of course, the entire arrest process, the charging process, I didn't. I didn't get it. I know whenever the detective had spoken with me before I went into the confession room, you know, he kind of just said, talking to me is going to be the difference between nine years and 99 years. So choice to me was obvious. No like, lawyer with you. Right. No lawyer, no parent. Um, at the time, I did tell them that I was 19 because that's what Cut had told me to say if the police ever got me. You know, couldn't tell them I was 16. However, they did find out after the fact that I was 16 years old, still didn't attempt to try to call my parents, try to call a lawyer, anything like that. He couldn't get in anywhere. Was kind of treated as an outcast. Actually wound up catching my first charge. Why is it no one else listened to me? I really felt in my head that I was in a relationship with the food, for money, for the things that I needed. 
this is not true. But you got to think like how that's really just sinking into me. I was, so I was never placed in the foster care system. Um, you know, I was in the classroom. Your parents bring you to school because, and that kind of just set up this lens for me where I just started feeling like, oh, March. So 13 years old. And Tia called this friend to pick me up. This friend, I was previously on a trip with them whenever my parents had gone out of town for their anniversary. And the people that we were with had sent me out to go tell him to come inside, to come into the cabin because dinner was ready. And whenever I went out, he was sitting in his truck with his leg hanging out, door open. And he was on the phone with someone. And whenever I said, hey, it's time to eat, he had spoken to the, the person on the phone. He was like, yeah. It's my homeboy's daughter. She's one of those girls that's developed in all the right places. And, you know, I have been raised on Lifetime movies. So I knew like there were certain trigger words that were just not okay. You know, my mother made sure that I understood that. And so, you know, I slammed the door on his leg. I ran inside and I told the group that I was with, you know, what had happened. And I'm expecting like, you know, they're going to go in on this man. Like, this is not okay. But the reaction that I got was he walks in and they just hand him a plate of steak and everybody just sits and talks normally. And so it was like, wait a minute. You know, I'm always told that I need to tell someone, I need to speak up about things and I do it and nothing happens. January, she was released from prison this past August. She is now 31 years old, out with her memoir, Free Centoya, My Search for Redemption in the American Prison System. So <clears throat> let's take it to your arrest within 24 hours after um, you murdered the man who took you home. Um, uh, you were terrified by him. Uh, you, he was uh, going to give you money for sex. You're a teenager. Uh, he's showing you his guns. You shoot him. You leave the police get you, you have no lawyer. And um, talk about what happened in your hearing, your, explain what a transfer hearing is, uh, and then ultimately what happened in your trial, how you ended up with life in prison. So shortly after my arrest, I was assigned a public defender um, and that public defender was part of the juvenile court. So it was her job to prepare my case for a transfer hearing because the district attorney had actually asked the court to try me as an adult. And so what they do is they actually, number one, they find if there's probable cause to believe that you actually committed the offense. And then the second part of the hearing is determining whether there are actually resources within the juvenile justice system that they can use to treat you. Because the goal of the juvenile justice system is supposed to be to remove the taint of criminality. Their focus is supposed to be rehabilitating any individual that comes into the court. So at the transfer hearing, I testified. Um, I was still transferred. I was tried as an adult. They figured that there was just not enough time left within the juvenile court jurisdiction, which was three years, two and a half years for them to, to help me. So I go to the adult jail, to the county jail, house in a cell by myself, solitary confinement to be kept away from the adults. How um, long are you in solitary confinement? Two years. So from the time I was 16 until I turned 18. I was in solitary confinement. What was that experience like? What does it mean to be in solitary confinement? How large was your cell? Who were you allowed to see? Yeah, it, I mean, it was horrible. It was, it was horrible. You know, the cell is about the size of 
probably your bathroom at your house and you don't get out much. You get out for an hour a day if they remember you <laughs> or you can go outside to be locked in a kennel, which pretty much a dog kennel. It's a cage, a fenced in cage, and then they'll take you to the shower. And, you know, it was really hard, especially with everything that I was dealing with, because you had like nothing to distract you. You had nothing but everything that you were facing, all of the anxiety, all of the thoughts, all of the trauma, everything that you're trying to deal with is just there in that room with you. And this is before the trial. This is before the trial. This is solitary confinement. Trial. You're a teenager mm -hmm. for two years. For two years. Yes. For two years. Um, because every juvenile at that time had to be in solitary confinement. That's just how they did. I mean, they didn't have to be. There was, you know, juvenile facilities that could have housed them until they were 18. But that's just what they felt, I guess, was more convenient for them. Um, so house and juvenile, I mean, house and solitary confinement as a juvenile. Spent all that time, mental health constantly, just feeding you different medications. Because when you're telling them, you know, I'm feeling this, I'm experiencing this, they just find another pill. You know, they just kind of use you as a guinea pig. So, so you're <clears throat> drugged through this time in a different way than when you were on the streets. Absolutely. Absolutely. The entire time. So finally make it to trial. And... I was convicted. I was convicted on all counts. Did you testify in your trial? I did not. I had wanted to testify, but my attorneys had advised me against it because they felt that my earlier statement in juvenile court could have been used to impeach me because it was different from when I was telling the police that Cut had nothing to do with anything. I didn't even know him. I had just met him. So they said that by me having testified the way I did, in the juvenile court, they could have used that to impeach me. You know, come to find out later that they never could have used that to impeach me anyway, because anything said at the juvenile transfer hearing can't be used against you in later proceedings. So my mis attorneys were mistaken, you know, with that. Uh, a rather major mistake to have made. That's just how it goes. Here, check it. A little bit of As this. As I'm walking down Sheridan Road, um, I, I hear somebody scream, burn in hell. And I replied with friendly, friendly, friendly to let them know, hey, I'm just here to help. I'm just, I don't want any problems. I just want to put out the fires if there are any. Um, I continue walking and then I notice the Duramax. I notice a flame in the back seat of the Duramax. And I stepped, I stepped towards the Duramax. And um, as I'm stepping forward, I believe his name is now Joshua Zeminski. He steps towards me with a pistol in his hand, and as um as I'm walking, as I as I'm walking towards to put out the fire, I drop the fire extinguisher and I, I take a step back. Okay, when you step back from Mr. Zeminski, what's your plan? My plan is to get out of that situation and go back north down Sheridan Road to where. Um, the car source lot number two was. And did you get back? Were you able to go in a northerly direction? I, I wasn't. Describe what happened. I, once I take that step back, I look over my shoulder and Mr. Rosenbaum, Mr. Rosenbaum was now running from my right side. Um, and 
I was cornered from in front of me with Mr. Zeminski. And there were <laughs> there were three people right there. <laughs> Okay, that's enough of that. I can't fucking fucking stomach it. All right, so the point is this, all right? Uh, what's her name? Santonia Brown. Her lawyers told her that it wasn't going to be a good idea for her to, um, you know, talk, right? Yeah, to uh, defend herself in, in court. Yeah, to uh, take the stand. To take the stand. They told her it wasn't a good idea. These were her own lawyers. Keep in mind, those were court-appointed lawyers. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is the one. The guy who got shot and he ended up in a wheelchair. I can't think of his name. There's so many names. And it started a riot. Uh, Tennessee, I want to say Tennessee because that's the relevance in this. Her trial is also was in Tennessee, you know, so he took it upon himself to get a rifle and travel to, uh, Wisconsin to, you know, he said he went there to protect property. So that's the reason why he went there. So he from, ended up from, from, Tennessee from a whole nother state. Yeah, Tennessee. From Tennessee to where? To Wisconsin, I want to say now. Oh, I could be a bit off on the details. The details is he came from another state. Uh, you know, he, he got kicked out of high school. He tried to go to um, the army or some shit like that, one of them, and they wouldn't <laughs> even accept him. Anyways, he goes to this other state. He's trying to protect property. He ends up shooting and killing a guy. The crowd attacks him, and then he shoots and kills another person. So anyway, so he's on trial right now for that. So his lawyers probably was like, hey, we need you to take the stand, and we probably need to see some tears. Um, you know what I mean? To try to sway the, uh, the jury. You know what I'm saying? In his favor. He might fucking get off on this shit. What's her name? Santonia Brown, fucking child who was being fucking sex trafficked. Her lawyers told her to not testify. Not only did they tell, they, they lied to her and told her that she could get impeached for testifying. Um, what I'm trying to get people to understand is that this is a example of how the system works. She got railroaded into prison. She got a life sentence for killing this guy. They treated her as an adult. They they uh they tried her as an adult uh because they she committed the crime at 16. They let her sit in solitary confinement for two years until her trial, so they could try her as an adult and give her life in prison for that case. This guy, Kyle Rittenhouse, is he wasn't a victim like her. He went to this place with a with a rifle and you know killed two people 
and he gets to stand, he gets to get on the stand and tell his story and 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 do his fake tear thing. This Antonia Brown thing is an example of how the system works, right? You know, they make you take pleas, they they railroad certain people into the system, and other people tend to have more of a shot. They get to have their say or get to have their word heard. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to say is there's a two-tiered system for justice here in the United States. The system that Santonia Brown went through, by the way, old buddy hasn't been locked up. I want to say he was out on bail. Yeah, they gave him like a million dollar bail. Somebody paid his bail. So um, while he was waiting for trial, he was at the house. Santonia well, Brown waited for trial in private, uh, I mean, in solitary confinement for two years. Yeah, I, I have a little more context on the Satonia Brown. Uh, is it was it Sub yeah, that sounds Brown? Right. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't have as much context on this written 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 house or Ritter House, whatever his name is. Uh, you know, because I, I mean, you told me, you know, as you told me a little bit, but like, what what the reason him actually killing like he. There had to be more to it for him to leave from Tennessee, because I mean, if you, if you a, know where those these two states are, like they're not ways. close by. Yeah, there's a whole. I mean, I I thought I, I would think that you would know. There's like the clips. Let's see, Kyle Rittenhouse. Let's see if I can find the clip because of the the actual clip of what happened is on the internet. It went viral. Like he was, I said, he was the, seventeen. The story, the story That's the reason. Is, that's why these are similar because he was. That's like, why I'm comparing. All right, here we go. I think I got the clip. I think I got it. Let me see. Was this like a love triangle? What do you mean? The Kyle Rittenhouse? Yeah. No, nah, this dude was just being a douchebag. He felt like he could save the world. He felt like, you know, remember when, um, so this was soon after, um, and made a statue of the dude, the one who got smushed. He was actually from Houston. Um, the really big one, that um, big, really huge story. The one who got smushed, the guy who died, uh, the black guy. Uh, the guy uh, leaned on, you know, put his knees on him until he fucking died. Oh, you're talking about, yeah, okay. Um, I can't, George Floyd. So Floyd, this was not... Yeah. After the um, after the riots of George Floyd, then we had this shooting was a little while later. And so, you know, remember, we had all the riots and shit. And on the Internet, everybody was all like, you know, they're destroying property and da 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 da. So you had all these people who felt like they wanted to protect property. They didn't like the Black Lives Matter people going out and destroying the property. So Kyle Rittenhouse took it upon himself to go to where the rioting was happening so that he could protect property. That was the reason why he went. But this, okay. 17 years old. Okay, here's the clip. He had shot somebody already. That's why the crowd is on his ass. And he kills another person. 
you right here just sat there. You right here just sat all them down there. That dude just sat up on there. That dude right here. why i'm so frustrated because i swear to god that's why i got this brick wall behind me is because i feel like the things i say fall on deaf ears no one's hearing me you know i feel like it's so pointless i feel like i'm i'm on the edge of giving up i swear to god i'm on the edge of giving up on like a lot of the shit that i do right now because i feel like it's fucking pointless nobody's hearing me but the, the these two cases are very 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 similar in that each one of them killed someone um but the difference is the girl was well, basically one one, one killed some too at least two right so but the chick she was basically killing this dude in self-defense yeah this guy went to another state to protect property he was going over there to Start call shit. he put he put himself into this situation yeah. and, and, and ended up killing two people. And look at how the justice, uh, you know, our justice system, look how they dealt with her and look how they're dealing with him. Well, first of all, it's a criminal system. It's not a justice system. That's, I mean, that's the only way to really look at them because um, and maybe for him it's more of it's not even real i wouldn't even call it justice because it's very criminal for him to get away with something where he's injecting himself in a situation where he's causes death of people i think he's gonna beat this case that cry he just did on the stand today that might get him off they only had one black person on the juror jury there's only one black person on the jury Yeah, um, it's, it's, I mean, as fucked up as it is, I mean, this is something that's been happening in for who knows how long. I mean, shoot, they at one point they didn't even have to go through this whole trial. It's like, oh, you, you're helping, you know what I'm saying? Like, he would have never seen court in uh, previous, previous days. But the um, the whole thing that I guess I'm um because the whole idea with this chick because I mean I'm just gonna say obviously this was a white guy that she killed. Yes, it was. Yes, and it she, was. And she is. I mean, she looks somewhat uh Latina or. Hispanic, but you know, with the last name Brown, I'm gonna assume that she's, you know, some probably more of an African American descent, or at least that's where her father, uh, you know, wherever her last name comes from. And yeah, um, 
that tends to happen way too much as well because i mean you know not to give her a total pass on how she ended up in that situation but still in all regardless i mean you know everything that's mutual is mutual but when things are not you know like like you said my rights go as far as you know like all my rights go as far as somebody else's like i can't intrude over somebody else's rights just for my own or to you know like when it really boils down to it if he's harming her she has every right to defend herself whatever way and being in the confines of his home which yes she agreed to go there but at what end does she like you know she supposed to take punishment from this person i I mean i don't i I don't know like it's you know and i don't she wasn't an angel and you know maybe he wasn't gonna hurt her at all (laughs) she felt threatened he was acting weird he had a bunch of guns around so she had the feeling that he was gonna do harm to her so she did what she did and i'm not saying that she should escape punishment what i'm saying is look at the two-tiered criminal system that we have for a young black woman and a young white man. Yeah. Dime que tu quieres, papi. Yeah, I mean, very lopsided, very unfair. But what what I'm trying to get the world to understand is this system is so it's blatant and. People try to gaslight you and they say that, you know, everybody has a fair shot and all of this bullshit. No, and this that's, is what not, makes- that's not true. I mean, but look, just like what uh, Mr. Christopher is saying, I mean, if if you don't have the money, if you don't have the back of somebody that's going to actually, you know, put up some dollars that's going to support you, somebody that's going to actually, you know, care enough about what's going on with you. And, you know, usually it's not just some heartfelt, oh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, every now and then there may be some pro bono, somebody who really cares about, you know, that, uh, you know, what's going on. But, shoot, the money is what influenced most of them to to spend their time to. But, to... but it's more to it than that because she had nobody to advocate for her at all. Those exactly. lawyers, the ones no that money. were appointed, her, she had no but, dollars to, to advocate for her and no and no people to come and speak up to her for her so the court appoints her a lawyer and this lawyer is clear from the just from what she was saying the her lawyers were not on her side at all it looks like they were trying to get her life in prison and they were well, her defense lawyers well see and that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is like I mean, the lawyer, these lawyers first, you know, responsibility is to the court and whatever the court is really trying to do. I mean, they're they're trying to find the quickest way to get this thing over with because they're not, you know, the system makes money off of people in the system. So, So the lawyers are working to put people into the system. And this is what I want people to understand. It's like 95 percent of cases go to plea. They don't go to trial. They always try to push you out of trial from going to trial. They force you to take a plea. The same thing happened to me. I caught a case around the same age as her. And they 
they force you to take a plea because now you're guilty. The plea is a guilty. It's a guilty plea. And they get to shuffle you into the system. You had no chance. Look, the system is supposed to say you're supposed to be able to have a chance to, to prove your innocence. If you never went to trial, the fucking you prove that you was in? We never had a trial. You're just the lawyers talk. The, the lawyers talk. They talk to you. The lawyers talk. They talk to you. And then mm -hmm. they come up with this deal. It's usually between the two lawyers. And then they decide on what case you finna get. Yeah. Well, they Regardless of the evidence. Of exactly they intimidate you to you know they put all of these hyped up years or you know times that you have to serve or you know some ridiculous things that you have to you know pretty much someone's negotiate whether you know okay well you know do i take a chance on you know truth and you know honesty and things like that to actually come out and prevail prevail but for the most part, you know, they've already kind of like decided which way it can go. They can, you know, ignore what they want to ignore. They can press on things that doesn't have as much relevance, but make make it more relevant. And that's like, you know, that's a part of what I'm trying to tell you as far as like being a lawyer and you all you being a um, you know, like your first, you know, you you. Your your first commitment is to the court, not to not to your not to your your uh, your client. Right. So, so I, I, so I don't want why, to be a lawyer. I just want to know the law. Well, there's ways around that. I mean, you don't have to go to no four year, the, the however many year college for that. I I promise you, like there's. I could just go to the library and read the law books. But what I'm saying is nobody's going to recognize that. I could say I've read. That's what I wrote on my thing. I could say I've read do, do 200 not, do, books you, on the subject. Nobody cares. They'll look at a meme. They'll look at a 15-second TikTok, and they'll argue me to death. And I'm like, I really, really, really know this stuff. And they're like, no, you don't. Da, 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 da. Well, we don't care about. I, I don't care about those people because guess what? I mean, when you when you become effective, and you actually do things, that's when you know. I mean, people can go around and say whatever they want because I mean, like I said, I mean, believe it or not, I mean, our indigenous government is a real government. We appoint or you know we can accredit our own lawyers just like this government does so i mean as long as you have you know you have certain you know level of knowledge and the ability to dig in and do the you know you just do for whatever it is that you're fighting for you you, you know what I'm saying you're qualified we you know you can be accredited through our our school we have, you know what I'm saying? We have our own college. We have uh, other systems in place as well. So that's what I'm trying to tell you. I mean, people are still trying to live within the box of this society. This is what they, you know, well, I say this society, but this government, because, you know, this is what most people know. That's what most people understand. That's what they've been programmed to, to fall into. But. And I get what you're saying. I really do. It's just that. If I go out here and I get pulled over, 
I'm gonna have to deal with this law system. <sighs> Look, you have to deal with law, period. Because you, honestly, I mean, because you are still a U.S. citizen, you know, primarily because I'm a U.S. citizen, but that's a secondary government. That's my, you know, dual part of my. Uh, of my citizenship so primarily my jurisdiction is within honor so those are the law you know the laws of the land is what's going to proceed and not all the other little bullshit that they can try to railroad you into and they understand that uh they, they see these people they know the law they they know how to use people through you know these codes and uh statures and all these other little bullshit ways that they get people locked into their system but the more you learn about real law the more you understand where you actually stand and what you can do with it i mean it's just I mean, I'm I'm thinking of doing the same thing because, you know, honestly, I'm really going to go for some big office soon. Like, I'm not going to say how soon because I'm still trying to put different things into place. But, you know, once I'm able to uh, substitute this income that I'm making now fully, because, you know, I'm already doing some things, but once I'm able to push this to the side and actually go into spending time doing what I think I'm more meant to do. That's, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And this show is the beginning because I've just, you know, like I was, some dude was asking me, you know, what is the point of your show? I was like, it's just the conversation. Um, you know, we want to lead into activism and we want to lead into building institutions. But before we can do that, I feel like we need to start having the conversation because that's how everything starts. It starts with a conversation, start working it out, and then you make moves. Well, you said something earlier is like, you know, most people think they know, but they don't know. Or so I forget how, however it was you used, because this, you know, some, some people use that, uh, you know, like, because they're so sold, they're so, you know, like, they're, they're so much a part of this government. Some people don't even qualify for the government I'm in. And they, they, they don't see any other dynamic. They, they, can't under, they can't even fathom things being different because they're so locked into this box. Like they're so imprisoned by this government to where, you know, anybody talking to somebody outside of it, they can't grasp it. They're just. And that's what I mean. That's one of the things. It's like every time people are con the most, the, the guy that knows the most is the guy that knows he, the guy that knows the most is the guy who's aware of his ignorance. Does that make any sense? The more, the totally. more, the totally. more, the more aware of you, the more you are aware of your ignorance. The more yeah. you are aware of your ignorance is the, the more you actually know. Yeah, so, and that's and and I think that's where I live because I mean I you know for one I'm not gonna 
argue with no any and everybody about things that I know that I mean they just haven't experienced certain things like I've done things in law like I mean I grew up with my um my uh, godmother as a lawyer and a judge so I've seen the side of all these things like my one of my good friends I ain't gonna say my best friend one of my good friends his mother is a judge and like just being in the house and with them discussions uh bringing a friend by that was in trouble and you know one day he's looking at you know prison time and after he leaves that meet that that the evening hanging out with us the next day he's pretty much walking free just based on knowing somebody you know what i'm saying so i mean i'm i've been seeing this stuff for years so i know about you know how relationships can change different things but we also have to get to the point where our understanding of life and laws actual what law is because legal processes and lawful action is those are different things and when you understand those those two different dynamics you can actually you know like you can maneuver within this system much better that's that's what i'm that's my point that's exactly my point that i i i'm aware of my ignorance therefore i want to learn more so it's like the person that thinks they know already then when someone is trying to give them valuable information sometimes you just gotta laugh them off yeah you gotta laugh people off yeah yeah, because i'm here yeah i mean sometimes you gotta laugh them off because they hadn't realized their ignorance yet you know what I'm saying? There's some there's some people that just have to, you know, there's like oh you know what I'm saying, they're so dead set on what they what they think they know. And that's the based on the paradigms in which you're allowed to live in. You know, everybody everybody hadn't made the same steps that you or footsteps that you have. And that's that what I'm I saying. Have. Like I, I like I say, I can say that I fucking I'm very um, I'm very versed on a certain subject, and I'll be like, "Man, I've really, really, really done some digging in this. Like, I'm I'm pretty damn <laughs> knowledgeable about this yeah. particular subject." And then they're gonna be like, you know, they're gonna feel like they they you know that 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 doesn't matter. That doesn't mean nothing. Their little meme that they saw, or they was watching Tucker Carlson, Carlson, or whatever. And, and 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 they feel like they know more like they feel like the, all the fucking books that i read means nothing but that's but that's fine you know i mean because you know like like i said i mean there's gonna be people and you know based on where they are you know they know what they know or at least you know what they think they know until you know you can you you can smash the pie in their face or they actually get to see from a different perspective somewhere down the line I mean, I don't, I don't worry about everybody and the way they think. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, and, and I don't either. I really don't care. But as I've grown older, I realized that you know what people think, you know, affects my life. Well, you know, I mean, sometimes it might affect your emotions and, you know, the way you feel. No, it directly affects my life. It directly affects my life. Like some guy who's driving down the street 
and he sees me as a black guy and he hates black people who thinks we're all losers and lazy or whatever the hell. And then he wants to come and shoot me or something. That's his perception directly infecting, uh, affecting my life. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you know, that's maybe, you know, excuse that we've given. But I mean, the honesty in all of that is that they actually feel inferior to you and they need you to be gone so that they can actually be above you. I 100% agree with you on that. 100 because I think it should be called white inferiority complex. No, that's that what was, it's called to me. That, that, that's what that I makes call a it. Lot, that makes a lot more sense. But yeah, no, it still I, doesn't matter. What I think of myself means nothing to what this guy thinks of me. And what this guy thinks of me uh, promotes his action upon me, you know, in a way that I have to deal with. Yeah, well, I mean, do like me. Carry a pistol and be ready to defend yourself at any moment. Check you know, I mean... Go ahead. What do you think about the, the, that philosophy quote right here? Um, 